This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week television podcast. Joining me this week, Andrew Mercado, Media Week columnist. Welcome back, Andrew. Hello, James. Fair bit happening. We're going to, we've finally, I've finally anyway been able to watch some of the shows you've been talking about a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure actually if we mentioned Chernobyl before, but I thought that'd be a good place to start as the buzz has just taken off about this one, hasn't it? Has it ever? It's just been voted on IMDb as the greatest TV series of all time. It's overtaken Breaking Bad and The Wire and The Sopranos and all these shows that the punters vote as the best ever. And the other thing it's done that's quite remarkable is it says it has grown its audience with every single episode. And you don't see that a lot in television, suggesting word of mouth. Everybody's talking about it. And and a very interesting decision here by Foxtel. They decided to stream it first and that seemed to take off like a freight train because they quickly scheduled it for Fox Showcase and a lot of people are watching it and a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah, I think Foxtel need to do more of that, don't they, to really, really pose themselves as an as a uh, an alternative to things like Netflix for for the, all this content, and you can have it when you want it, you know. Look, right now, the best dramas of the year are all on Foxtel, um, and I'm not quite sure that people out there understand that you don't need to be connected to a cable to get yeah. them. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're pushing their streaming side enough or I think that people just see Foxtel and switch off. But, I mean, you know, if I list the best shows I've seen of the year, it's Chernobyl and Fosse Verdon and Mother, Father, Son and Gentleman Jack and Big Little Lies and it just goes on and on and on and they're pretty much all on HBO, Fox Showcase and BBC First. They are really kicking goals at the moment. That's pretty interesting, uh, Chernobyl. I've just seen the one episode, but gee, it's uh, it, it really affected me more more, more than I uh, thought it would. It's um, I I'm, when I was watching it, I was wondering where they actually filmed it. Apparently, they filmed it at a uh, reactor in Lithuania, right? Because they said they couldn't go near the original one because it, there's still a radiation there that um, you you know is still an issue. Well, we're also seeing, too, that the show's so successful, uh, people are visiting Chernobyl. They've seen an upspike in tourism, and uh, a lot of talk on social media is apparently influencers are rushing to Chernobyl to take pictures of themselves uh, (laughs) without their clothes on. And, gee, isn't that respectful, Jane, considering Mm. thousands of people died there, and now it's a selfie spot. I mean, seriously, there's only five episodes. And I agree with you, that first episode is just so harrowing and it doesn't get any better from there. It is uh, absolutely horrifying from start to finish and, uh, uh, yeah, it will be on my list of the year's best for sure. Yeah, look, I know I'm a bit of a wuss, but I'm just not sure I can if I can, if I can take it because I, I had some bizarre dreams after watching that first episode. I mean, it was really pretty grim and, um, and, I, and I was sort well, of... I would drip wiped up feeling my skin and going, oh, is everything all right? <laughs> well, James says, uh, as a dog lover, oh, you're no, going don't. to be no. very disturbed by one episode because they get the people out of, they ship the people out of Chernobyl, but mm. what gets left behind? Oh, and dear. there's like literally a whole episode of, uh, you know, this young, young 
kid that gets thrown in with these soldiers and uh, given a gun and <gasps> what happens next? It's just, and it's for the whole episode. It's horrific. But, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's real life and yet you have to kind of push through because uh, the last episode when they explain what happened, it's just chilling. Yeah. It's a largely male British cast, isn't it? Yep. Yep. And, and, the, and the decision for them to use their regular accents, their British accents, and just throw in the word comrade every now and then. <laughs> I mean, it does work on paper. You would just go, that's insane. That's ridiculous. But it has worked. And I noticed, too, the Russians are, are going to make their own version as well, a, a Russian network. And it's like, okay. seriously, I don't know how you're going to improve upon this. This is pretty great television. Yeah, I think a, a, a notable uh, female in the cast is Emily Watson. Yes. Yeah. How many have you seen? I've watched them all. Oh, I've you watched, watched them all? all. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, um, I, saw, I watched the first two episodes on Foxtel, went, went back and saw the next two episodes and then kind of forgot about it and then suddenly went, holy hell, the last one's there. Everyone started talking about how amazing the last episode was. Yeah, it's great. Yes, yes. Okay, well, Chernobyl, yeah. It's, um, you know, there's a bit, a bit of grim stuff on TV, but this one is sort of – it's based on fact, so it's, someone hasn't made yes. this stuff up. So it, um, it, it's, that's a reason for me to persist with it, I think. Yeah, for sure. You've got to. Um, now, something else, and I'm sure you'll be a big fan of this one too, Tales of the City is back. Yeah, I um, spent the long weekend binging all 10 hours of it. Obviously, I was a massive fan of the original. I've read all the books by Armistead Maupin. Very interesting because... This is based on later novels that Maupin wrote about his characters. He, you know, went back after 20 years and picked up those characters again. And, and this miniseries takes some elements of those books, but also takes the story in different directions. So even if you've read all the books like I have, there's some surprises and some new things that happen in this series. You know, I, I've seen some critics' reviews that think that it's uh, a little bit coy, mm. um, but I think that the world that Armistead Maupin created with this, these characters is he does keep things a little bit kind of... Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's kind of like uh, wrapped up in a... presented as, you know, this sweet, naive girl, Marianne, that, that comes into this world of these crazy people in San Francisco. There's this sense of family. And then as you begin to get to know the characters, then you kind of discover, oh, right, gay sex and mm. trans and lesbians and all this other stuff. It sort of, it kind of creeps up on you slowly. He tries to drag you in with the story first. So I think that's why in 2019, some people are saying, oh, it seems a little bit PG. There doesn't seem to be a lot of nudity or hard sex in it and all that. But that's not his world. He has a much more gentle approach to these subjects. And uh, after watching 10 hours, uh, I, I, I give it a thumbs up. Yeah. I, I've um, Again, I've only seen the first episode of this. I've, my memory of the original is not that good. Um, yeah. But I, it was a bit of a slow start, I must say, that first episode. And, you, and Laura Linney, you're just wondering, mm, what's she doing, you know? That was, um, but then it picked up and towards the end of that episode, it, it really started to, to um, and I feel a lot better. 
Well, it's interesting because Laura Linney's character, particularly in this one, and I'd forgotten, she can be quite annoying. Mm. <laughs> um, and they, they don't hold back from this. But, like, seriously, you get a Laura Linnea and Olympia Dukakis in a TV show, that alone is worth the price of admission. Yes. Not to mention Aussie actor Murray Bartlett, who does a wonderful, beautiful, moving job playing the character of Mouse. Okay. Uh, so Laura Linney and Olympia were both in the original. Are they there, were both in all those original shows, yeah. yes. Are there many others who are reprising their roles? Well, Paul Gross comes back to play Brian. He was in the first okay. miniseries, but he didn't play the the character in the ones afterwards, but he's come back for this one. And uh, there's a couple of other characters. Uh, Dee Dee is uh, Barbara Garrick. She's still in it. But, you know, what? Well, cleverly, this show does bring in a new generation of residents from 28 Barbary Lane. Um, those characters aren't overly successful, but it's very much got an eye, you know, one foot in the present and another one uh, in the nostalgic past. Okay, okay. Now that, of course, this is on Netflix, isn't it? Yes. And and that is also home to the originals if you want to, you know, You know what? I don't know it. if the originals are there. I do know, though, that they've got a, a documentary about Armistead Morpin that you could watch as a follow-up if you want to know about how these novels came about. They started off as a newspaper serial. It's a very interesting story. Yeah, I've got a feeling they are there. It, they, you'd like to think they would yeah, be, I, wouldn't I, you? I'm sure I did read that. But Ellen Page is in this one too as an interesting character. and She's fabulous in it too. I should have mentioned her. Yeah, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say she thinks in that first episode that Laura Linney is her mum. Yeah. Which is um, starts to take on some significance, I guess, as the... Uh, plot unravels over the ensuing episodes. Sure does. Yeah. I wanted to mention quickly Billions. Now, I know you don't watch this. No. But I bang on about a lot on this. <laughs> um, the season four ended this week. It's yeah. uh, It's on Stan. And it sort of, um, after four, four seasons, the show ends up a fair way from where it began. But right. They did a really nice thing at the end of season four and took it back to what was one of the main sort of plot drivers in the first season. Um, I won't say too, it's not really a spoiler, but look, if anybody's watching it and they haven't got that far yet, I, I won't go into it too much, but it features the, the two main characters, Axe and Chuck. It's Damien Lewis and Paul Giamatti. And, um, and it sort of sets the scene for what will happen in season five which wow. makes it makes it really exciting to sort of get back into it and it's sort of a return to the program's roots if you like because mm, interesting yeah i think that's good that shows do that they just don't keep veering off and they they keep remembering what drew audiences in in the early days very very important um there's oh, by the way, I'm looking yep, on Netflix yep. Australia and I can't see oh, any of okay. those original Tales of the City miniseries. Maybe it's an American thing. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's yeah. not available in this market. Somebody's no. probably got it here, though, isn't it? Yeah, and it, I'm looking on Stan. They're not on Stan, so... Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. The, um, maybe even on iTunes you might be able to track them there. They'll be somewhere. Maybe, yeah. They'll be somewhere. Um, where else am I going to ask you about, Don? Now, there's new David Letterman episodes. Yeah, um, this is on Netflix, isn't it? Correct, yeah. And, he's, of course, it's a new David Letterman. He's got the big beard. He looks like he's been in the sort of a bush for years and just come out of the wilderness. But yeah. um, 
I really enjoyed the first season. I think he only did about six episodes. I think there's five in the new season. The one I've watched so far, he's got an uh, episode with Alan DeGeneres, and look, it's really good. Wow, okay. I, I mean, you see a lot of Alan, you think, well, how much would I do I need to see, a, you know, another in-depth interview with Alan? But it's a, it's a really good episode, and they have a bit of fun too. They go yeah, on a little yeah. bit of a tour around her program, and she takes him around the lot where they actually film the show. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and they, the, I can't remember what the lot is, is it? No, I don't know the studio. I should have checked this. But um, they, they've named the building she's in after her. Oh, and, right. And they've got a plaque on the front which tells you all the other productions that have gone on in that building. It's just, cool. it's just really interesting. It's just a nice little bit of Hollywood history. Does David Letterman still have the huge bushy beard? He does. He does indeed. Yeah. He does. <laughs> Some of the other guests in this series are Kanye West. Um, yeah. I'm not that keen on watching that Yeah, I'll be avoiding that. Yeah, uh, Lewis, no interest. Lewis Hamilton, who's an F1 driver, but... Yeah, he's a bit of an an enigma, though, you know. So there might be some interest in that. Melinda Gates, right? Of uh, Bill Gates' wife, and I think who heads these sort of uh, the Bill the um, Gates Foundation, where they yep. just invest an incredible amount of money every year. I think that one should be pretty interesting. Sure would be. Um, big launch on seven this week. The Super Switch <laughs> was 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 supposed to be one of their big programs for the. I guess the second half, we're not quite in the second half. We'll do, to segue anyway, seven from the first half to the second half of the year. Launched on Tuesday night to only a touch over 300,000 Metro viewers, which is really bad news for um, a 7.30 time slot. Um, night two, it crept up a little bit, got to about 3.80, but they were just really shocking numbers. Well, as you reported in Media Work Week, it was the super switch off, right? <laughs> it got it came fifth in the time slot and got beaten by SBS, who had Kerry Ann Kennelly on Who Do You Think You Are? I mean, that is a disastrous debut. I mean, that makes it the flop of the year up there with Changing Rooms on 10. What did that open with? It was in the 300,000 yeah, something, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it might have. Might, I don't think it was that bad, actually. And it quickly got moved to, I think, Friday before being pulled. Uh, look, I don't think that Super Switch is going to work. You know what I think the problem mm. is? I think that the audience can smell a rat. I mm. think it's obvious that they're trying to do their version of Married at First Sight. And when you read the premise for this show, it's like, oh, well, there's these couples and they're, you know, they're in trouble with their relationships. So we've got our relationship experts. They're going to split them up and put them into new relationships and they have to sleep in the same bed together. And you just go, you're kidding me, aren't you? <laughs> That's just a pathetic concept designed to create maths drama. And the audience is onto it and just going, actually, no, we're not going to do it. Even give it a go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this had sort of danger written all over it for me when, when I was reading about it and um, TV Night was pretty quick on comparing it to saying, you know, like a, a poor man's version of Married at First Sight, perhaps. You know, it was yeah. sounding very similar. It looked, it's, I had a quick look. I didn't watch a lot of it. It's really not my cup of tea. The no. Production values didn't look brilliant. Right. Uh, I was, we had a podcast with Angus Ross a couple of weeks ago from Seven, and I said, look, is this a risk at all? Because it, it didn't seem to me that um, the switch worked first time around. Why are you bringing it back? But he, you know, he argued that it was a success the first time around. 
I think it was doing about 600s, just as the switch, I think it was, before they changed it oh, to yeah. the super yep. switch or the seven-year switch or whatever it used to be called. But, um, yeah, this is this is a real um, – it's um, – yeah, it's not. It's a, it's a really bad show that nobody wanted to watch. They were hoping it would be controversial. And the only controversy has been how poorly it rated. I'm yeah. getting the feeling AGT Australia's Got Talent might come into the schedule to help help paper over those time slots because all of a sudden yep. in the last two days I've noticed so many more promos pushing that program. So right. I don't know if they'll have enough episodes ready to roll, but um, it could be coming very soon. I think. Yep, I think you could be right there. Yeah. Um, did we mention then that um, Kerry Ann outrated it? Yes, yeah, did, incredible. Did, yeah. yeah. So that, um, Who Do You Think You Are, has been doing really well for SBS and it's been pushing the channel into the top 20 on many nights. It's, uh, it's been broadcast this season. Yeah, and it's such a great show too. It's so beautifully produced. You know, and so many, you know, producers and historians that, you know, because I worked on that show behind the scenes for a while and there's so many amazing people and they work so hard and they're so determined to get everything 100% correct. You know, checking these old documents and stuff, there's mammoth work that goes into it behind the scenes. Sure. Now, that reminds me too, I should ask you about another show you've worked on. There was an episode of 20 to 1 last night, did reasonable, yeah. reasonable figures later in the evening, it was up against the cricket on another nine channel last night, so I had a fair bit of competition. But yeah. um, what, we must be getting towards the end of that series. Did, yeah, I think so. I, it feels to me like I'm watching the topics going, yeah, I remember that one, I remember that one, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, they're, they're getting to the end for sure. Who were some of the best contributors you think out of all the interviews you did? Now, you've talked to us before about you'd supply clips and, and ask people to watch it and get them to comment. Yeah. Did you do the same for the big international stars you had as well as the locals? Well, I assume so. I didn't do any of the international stars. Oh, okay. I will assume that they were done offshore. Uh-huh. Um, well, some were done when they visited here, I think. Okay. That would, yeah, they've jumped right in. I was thinking maybe so, like Jane Fonda was on it, I think, and I just wonder if they did it while she was here. They may well have done that. The show, the show you know, it was uh, the show's been in production for many months. Yes. Um, so I, I'm not quite sure where they got their international talent from. But, you know, the... Most people, I think I told you the story of a certain reality <laughs> TV star that didn't watch the clips and turned up with lots of things to wear yeah. but didn't know what to say. <laughs> Dude. Um, but, you know, the people that turn out to be the most professional are people that do a lot of TV, people like Ross Greenwood and Scott Cam and uh, Shelley Horton, those people who turn up and they've got you know, one-liners arranged and they've got the gift of the gab and they just go bang, 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 one take, one take, one take. You know, those there are some real professionals there. And then there's, you know, every now and then you get someone that doesn't have a lot to say. But, you know, Lucy Durack, uh, uh, Killing Heidi, Ella from Killing Heidi, uh, Michaela Bannis, Toby Trustlove. You know, there were some really, really amazing people that they interviewed for it who gave some great material. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, folks, don't forget about uh, 20 to 1. You can watch it at 9 now or on Wednesday nights. Um, Channel 10 still on a bit of a buying spree. They've acquired the rights to the Adam Goods documentary, The Final Quarter 
which wow. um, the, the, the media um, buzz this bean's generating, I think this should do really well for Network 10. They say it's coming soon. I'm not sure how soon. It was, I think, premiered at the Sydney Film Festival just last week. Correct. I, I thought it might have been having a cinema run before, so did I. before it went to TV. And if that's the case, the cinemas hate <laughs> TV saying, look, we're going to have it soon because it'll stop people going to see it at the movies. It's confusing, though, James, because there's two documentaries out there. So it could be that the other documentary is going to get a cinema release um, because you're absolutely right. The last thing that a cinema owner wants to hear is, Mm. uh, you know, this documentary is about to screen on TV, but here, pay some money to go see it in cinemas. It just doesn't happen. Um, But my goodness, I am hanging out so badly to see it. I'll be checking that 10 media preview site literally every day in the hope that it goes up soon. I can't wait to see it because, you know, I remember it very well uh, and I I think it's a disgraceful chapter in our history and um, I can't wait to see it. Sam Newman predictably has uh, uh, put out a tweet and just said, you know, me calling him a dickhead doesn't make me a racist, he's a dickhead, and you're just going, oh, Sam. (laughs) you know, it is, uh, Peter Ford is tweeting that uh, the, the filmmakers put on special screenings for, for all the sports writing writers, but why didn't they put on a special screening for Sam Newman? I mean, why mm. would you? Well, you know, Sam can bloody watch it on TV like the rest of it. He's got nothing nice to say about it, uh, so he can, he can wait. I don't see why the producers should go to any special effort to give him a special screening when he's one of several people in that documentary that uh, really spoke, were really out of line with the comments that they made. And so they can just watch it with everyone else as far as I'm concerned. Ten, um, ten is some really interesting programming coming up in the next few weeks. The, the day we're recording this, they're launching the first sort of full season of Taboo. That's the Loon Media Show that was one of the pilot week uh, projects a year ago. It didn't. It actually had about the fifth biggest audience out of all the pilot week shows, but it, I think it got enough critical acclaim for Ten to have yeah. a look at it and think, oh, okay, we should explore this one a little bit more. I really hope this show does well for them. I think Harley Breen comes across as a lovely man with the right empathy to do this sort of thing. It's sort of like a commercial version of the ABC's um, You Can't Ask That, but with, you know, stand-up comedy at the end. It's such a beautiful idea to, you know, shine a light on... uh, some of these issues and, and, and talk about taboo subjects. And I really, really hope it, it goes well for them. Yeah, Harley's really been on a um, publicity blitz this last few days. He was on the project this week. He's done a um, Will Anderson podcast, which is really interesting listening, if if anybody wants to track that down. I think it's part of Will's uh, Willosophy series. Yep. Um, and I was lucky enough to get a get a short interview with Harley as part of that media blitz. And I love what he told me about, I asked him about, you know, did he get, um, what were his thoughts about when he heard that they, despite, you know, not winning Pilot Week, 10 decided to commission the show. And he said, you know, well, you know, I didn't get that excited. He sort of, I forget the exact words he said, but it was like, show me the money, you know. He said so many times he's been offered stuff, he's been told stuff's going to happen but it, it never eventuates. So he said, I know what he said. He said, until the money's in my bank account, <laughs> right, until I yeah. see that 
money go into my account, then I know it's happening. And didn't he also say that uh, the people who work in radio are actually <laughs> worse than the people who work in television and that's a big call? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So I think he, he he's, his big break in radio, he co-hosted, I think, two Day FM Breakfast uh, yeah. for 12 months with M. Rosciano. Yeah. Um, he, I don't think Am lasted the full year. I think Harley did last the full year. And, no. and he said, look, it's, uh, it wasn't great, but he did admit the money was pretty good. Yeah. Um, oh, and also coming back to 10 is Body Hack 2.0, I think they're calling this season, that um, Todd... Um, Todd Sampson. Todd Sampson, that's the one, I yeah. still haven't recovered from the episode last year <laughs> where the guy smoking copious amounts of marijuana <laughs> on the banks of the Gange River was drinking water straight from the river out of a human skull uh. um, before then eating rotting a rotting corpse. I will never, as long <laughs> as I live, get over that episode of Todd Sampson's Body Hack. How he's going to top that, I will never know. And you've seen some stuff in all your years watching TV, haven't you? Mate? Wow. That one oh, sticks yeah. out as a cracker. Wow. It, I'll <laughs> never forget it. Oh. Um, now, Perpetual Grace, is I, 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 this is a Stan series. Yep. A um, couple of Aussies starring, Jackie Weaver and as Damon Harriman. And, um, and Jackie Weaver is great in it too. She's not playing that... You know, she kind is, of cutesy Jackie Weaver character that she plays in, like the movie Poms or something like that. She's she's playing the wife of a very evil preacher, played by Ben Kingsley, and uh, I think she's got her own stuff going on. And then the other Aussie is Damon Harriman playing their son. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned evil. It's a pretty evil series on with both uh, sides of the story, isn't it? You know, yeah. no one's up to any good. But wow, the, the production here. I think it's an. It's on Stan. I think it's an MGM Studios production, which is one of the studios Stan has a deal with and very important to Stan because there's lots of speculation about Stan's content streams, where they're going to come from if they can't renew their Disney deal, if they lose the um, Showtime deal, which is expected CBS might end up on um, on 10 streaming all-access platform. But this series is just so good. I was just blown away with the quality and... The filming, I mean, it's like a piece of art. Every scene, it's so carefully constructed, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely amazing. I've got it sitting here going, I need to watch episode two because episode one is often so incredible because it's the pilot. Yeah. You, want, you want that episode two to go, are you going to be as good as this? Um, so I haven't yet watched episode two, but, yeah, I agree with you. That first episode of Perpetual Grace was stunning. Yeah, just the photography is just... Every scene is just sort of, you think, I mean, you could almost say it's overdone, you know, because you get, it's just, fat. and then the camera lingers on it a little bit too, which is good to, to really let you enjoy it. The bigger the screen, the better, but it, geez, it, it just looks really, really good. So definitely check that one out. Yeah. Um, something yeah. else on Stan I've just started as well, and I was a massive fan of the uh, original movie. I read the book, um, Catch-22. Right, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I'm going to because George Clooney's in it and I've yeah. never seen a bad George Clooney movie or TV series. I'll tell you a couple. Um, <laughs> okay, well, there's probably a couple. Maybe I avoided them. But yeah. most of the time he goes into something and he's a very, he, he strikes me as a very thoughtful actor-producer that picks quality projects. Yeah. And I think return doing a proper 
adaptation of that classic novel as opposed to a movie that must have had to cut some stuff out. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of war stuff, which is why I haven't watched it already, Uh, but I've got a friend coming to stay for the weekend and uh, I'm in the middle of so many series, I keep thinking, gee, I hope he wants to watch Catch-22 because then we can watch it from the first episode together. Yeah. Just quick, I think Hail Caesar was a bit of a turkey for Ron. (laughs) George Clooney. And it, but yeah. he, he, he's had a few, but um, but yeah, no. Look, this, this catch twenty two is brilliant. Hugh Laurie's also in it, um, and he's just really good. He's a, he plays a great character. It's just yeah. um, very good. It was uh, from a, a Joseph Heller a Joseph Heller novel, I think. The that's you know, it, Joseph Heller. Yeah, yeah, the original. I think Yasarian was the character that um, that the name of the lead character. But it's yeah. Look, it's just. Um, it's really well done. Um, set in Italy during the Second World War, they um, they're on flying missions, and it's just yeah. Look, no, it was um, I I really enjoyed that first episode, and I'll, I'll be certainly going back for more. Uh, Christopher Rabbit, who I don't know much about, plays a uh, John Nusserian, the lead character. Uh, right. Kyle Kyle Chandler's also in it. He, he's really good. Well, um, he's uh, is Kyle Chandler Friday Night Lights. Um. Yes, he's yeah, Colonel, yeah, 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 he's yeah, Colonel gotcha. Cathcart in this. Who's right. one, one of the main characters? But yeah, no. Look, it's a um, it's a lot of fun. Wow, it's really good. Uh, one other thing coming from um, Stan. I think you might have you watched a bit of this, The Loudest Voice. Yes, I have. Oh yeah. Oh, Russell Crowe <laughs> playing Roger Ailes, the guy responsible for Fox News Network. Correct. News. Yep. News, news very lightly there, yeah. yep. uh, James. Um, what's amazing <laughs> about this is, have you watched any of it yet? No, I haven't. No. Well, there's a Rupert Murdoch character in there, of course. Uh, I saw him in and, the promo, yeah. Yeah, and he speaks in a really broad <laughs> Australian accent. And I'm going, one of these days I'm going to have to track down and, and see who plays him. It's actually an actor called Simon McBurney, who's an in- English actor. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's he's he sounds very Aussie here. But it, it's interesting because the first episode is about the creation of Fox and why they decided to go with the audience they did. Mur- Rupert Murdoch had a very different idea for it. Roger Ailes is the one who changed his changed his mind to the forgotten Americans, as he called them. Episode two set around nine uh, eleven and how that seems to fire up Roger Ailes to really go hard and do whatever he can do, in his own words, to help the president invade Iraq. Uh, And then episode three uh, is set around the election of Barack Obama and Roger Ailes is losing his shit. And (laughs) we see the first sign of Naomi Watts as, uh, does she play Gretchen Gretchen Gretchen. Carlson? Correct, she does. And all the sexual uh, abuse stuff at the moment is kind of just there in the background. It's mostly about Fox News, but we're starting to see more and more of what Roger Ailes is doing after hours, and it's it's done in a very disturbing way. And, wow, James, I mean, for a media junkie mm. like you and me, this you just – it's riveting. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, how media companies make uh, – shows and movies about other media companies, but they never do anything about themselves. <laughs> no. Like I think so. This is, um, I think this is Showtime, which is, CB- is Showtime. CBS yeah. making one about Fox News. 
I yeah. think um, someone's making one about CBS. I've got a feeling. So, and isn't someone else doing a? Uh, isn't there another Roger Ailes project where Nicole Kidman plays Gretchen Carlson? Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah, okay. she's Naomi Rock. She's in one as well. Roger Ailes miniseries. I'll look at, at as you look at as you bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The um, as a um, so the cast is really good. There's also I think uh, Sienna Miller's in this. I think is she um, Roger Ailes' yep. wife. Yes, unrecognisable too. It took really? me it, it, when the credits ran. I went, where was Sienna Miller? And went, oh my god, there she was. And by the way, the Nicole Kidman project is a movie being oh, released in okay. cinemas. Yes, starring Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, John Lithgow, Alison Janney, Kate McKinney. It's being released in December, and it's the story of uh, various female Fox News personnel. And, uh, yeah, Nicole Kidman is playing Gretchen Carlson in that one and John Lithgow is playing Roger Ailes. And guess who's playing Rupert Murdoch? Malcolm McDowell! Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Well, that's going to be a must-watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah fantastic, fantastic. Um, now, what else was I going to say about this? Oh, now, Seth MacFarlane's also in um, The Loudest Voice. I think he yes. plays Brian Lewis, who's an, another on-air, uh, on-air guy, is that right? Was yeah, well, he sort of he sort of plays a guy. The the character is a, a guy that Roger Ailes is working with at CBS, oh, okay. Okay. who then uh, takes him across to Fox News and becomes, uh, well, one of his, uh, you know, one of his sort of uh, deputies, yep, okay. doing his dirty work for him. And I think there's a recurring character of um, Lachlan Murdoch, played by a guy called Barry Watson. Yeah. Lachlan's in there, and uh, they, this miniseries, uh, which is based on a couple of books written around this, uh, Lachlan and Roger Ailes yeah. do not get on. No, no. From day one. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, now, I wanted to revisit Big Little Lies because we had a bit of a cheeky look at this last time. Oh, my God, I had a heart attack too afterwards, James, because <laughs> I realised there was a media embargo out on it. <laughs> Oh, God, I sat down to watch episode two and read the media embargo and went, oh, man, please, what, mm. what have I done? What have I said? Yes. I was just so excited to talk about it. And uh, how many episodes have you watched now? Only the one. Right. Only the one. But uh, I'm, I was a little bit underwhelmed, I must admit, by that first one. I, not a lot happened in that first episode. I mean, you got As to... was I. You got to meet Meryl Streep and you got to... Yep. I understand her character and how she started to pick up on some things about, gee, was it all an accident about, you know, her, her um, son's death? Yep. Um, but otherwise, you know, didn't really grab me. Well, look, I agree with you, James. It was uh, not that exciting, the first episode. Um, episode two got better and episode three is even better still. I just thought there were some real try-hard moments in that first episode where there were scenes there that were just trying to recreate the, oh, I'm Shailene Woodley and I'm just going to dance by myself at the beach really slowly because that sort of fits the vibe of the first series. And I was like, what? Anyway, that stuff sort of settles down and by episode three it's it's getting more into a groove and starting to get a bit more juicy. So, yeah, I think it's going to come good. Yeah, I mean, with that cast, you stick with it anyway, I think. Totally. You You know. Totally. um, I'd 
I'd rather watch a not great episode yeah. of Big Little Lies than NCIS or something like that, you know. Well, so nearly, there you go. Nearly anything else, given the quality yeah, of those um, pretty much those actors. Now, a few people have been slamming the Logies. Will Anderson really gave them hammering a couple of weeks ago, and Patty yeah, Newton. Patty Newton. What has Patty Newton said? Patty Newton went on, I think it's 3AW in Melbourne, the radio station with Philip Brady, and held up the TV week and said, I'm sorry, I don't know who any of these <laughs> Logie nominees are anymore. Um, and then was, was saying to Philip Brady, do you know who this person? And she's pointing at Amanda Keller, and uh-huh. Philip Brady didn't know who Amanda Keller was. And really? I'm like, sorry, all of you seem terribly out of touch. If you can't pick Amanda Keller from a lineup, when was the last time you watched TV? Who cares what you think about the Logies? Yeah. Um, then Patty Newton went on to say that Eve Morey from Neighbours, I'm sure she's a lovely person, but if I walked past her in the street, I wouldn't know her from a, you know. And I was like, Patty, you just guest start on Neighbours. Could you not kind of diss <laughs> the actress in the show who's just delivered the performance of her career and absolutely deserves to be nominated for Logies this year. So, yeah, that was a, just a bit of a, a misstep from her. I think, I think you've got to try really hard to kind of do this. Oh, you know, back in the day, you know, you needed a talent to be nominated for a Logie Award. Well, we don't live in that day anymore now. We, mm. People become TV stars for being on reality shows and doing nothing. So we've got to, if you want to move with the times, yeah, got to get over that. Sure, sure. Um, the first Logie was actually awarded this week. I think the Australian Tourism Commercial um, re- reprising Crocodile Dundee was one yep. of the, the best TV ad of uh, 2018. Right. But the, um, did it even run as a TV ad here in Australia? Pretty sure it did. Did it? Yeah, I, I do so. remember seeing it, but did mm. I see it on news shows or was it actually an ad that ran got, in the ad break? Well, they're very clever. It got plenty of free publicity, didn't it? Sure did. Um, now, and, and, so, and no. it was great. It was yeah. a great ad, but I think the category's stupid. I don't know why it's been re- reintroduced. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I get it, though. It helps make maybe the magazine a bit more, the brand a bit more relevant to agencies and just reminds them that there is this sort of, you know, entertainment brand out there that maybe they should be taking more notice of. Of course. Of yeah. course, I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. And that's why they, you know, announced it now because they didn't want to. They didn't want to have that as part of the evening because people were, <laughs> yes. you know, that, that would really look out of place there. Yeah. Uh, now, you're watching Killing Eve. Now, I'm I'm still haven't started this second season yet, but um, tell me what, what's going on. It starts off really well. Around the middle, mm. I just went, <laughs> it just jumped the shark. Yeah. And so I watched it with half an eye for the rest of the season and still looks fabulous and the performers are great, but it, just goes into it. Just becomes it's just become really unbelievable for me. I don't believe it anymore. Yeah. It's just one of those shows I put on in the background. I'm I'm, t- I'm not invested in it the way that I used to be. Okay. Disappointing. So they've yeah. You sound really as if you've you know they shouldn't have done it. They <laughs> they just I lost just their way. Didn't didn't believe any of it. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, gee, that drops down my list now. <laughs> what I've got to <laughs> what I've got to catch up on. Um, yeah. And I might sort of uh, wind, we're nearly out of time here. I might sort of wind up today. Now, give us a bit of an update. Is D alive on Neighbours? You've talked um, about this before. Yeah, Madeline West is back in Neighbours playing the lookalike. Uh, the latest development is, yes, she is alive and going under the name of Karen. 
Uh, Toadie believes all the evidence, but we also know that uh, the Andrea is manipulating the situation. But it would have, and she has told Toadie that this Karen girl has moved to South Africa and can't be contacted. So we're being left to think that she's alive and still out there somewhere, and that, of course, means that she can pop up at any time, James. Mm. But Madeline West looks like she's sticking around neighbours for a while, and Kerry Armstrong is back as her very evil mother next week. And so, yeah, neighbours is, uh, for me, unmissable at the moment. Right, right. All right, good stuff. All right, Andrew, look, we uh, might leave it there. So there's plenty to watch there for... Um for me, a lot of stuff I can catch up on. And James, for Media Week this week, I'm yes. going to be writing about what could be the most explicit teen drama ever made, uh, HBO's Euphoria, which begins on Fox Showcase uh, next week. Okay. I watched three episodes last night. Oh, my effing God. <laughs> really? <laughs> you would not believe what happens in this show. Wow. Okay. Wow. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. So it's up on the preview side, I imagine, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just, uh, I've been watching those previews crazy, and I think, but then it starts going to air one episode at a week, and the first reviews are just starting to hit social media, and uh, you'll see the word explicit a lot. Really? Yeah. Ooh, gee. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit more in detail next time, yes? Use better. Oh, fantastic. Right, Andrew Mercado. Every Friday in Media Week, you can read Andrew's column um, in our morning report, and we put it up on the website also shortly after that. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, James.